Welcome to The Power of Data, the podcast by Dun & Bradstreet. Data is everywhere, and there is more created every second of every day. Join us to hear from leaders unlocking the value of data. Welcome back to The Power of Data podcast. We're joined today by Philip King, who's recently been appointed as the Interim Small Business Commissioner in the UK, working to ensure fair payment practices for the UK's 5.8 million small businesses. Philip was previously CEO of the Chartered Institute for Credit Management for 14 years. Welcome, Philip, and congratulations on your new role. Thank you. To introduce you to our listeners, could you share a brief summary of your career today and how you came to work in the credit industry? Yes, I can. And it's an interesting story. Well, I think it's interesting. Having been out of school for about five years and done some driving jobs, I was looking for paid employment and asked a friend if they had any van driving jobs because I was at the time delivering and collecting laundry. And he said they hadn't, but they had got a job in their credit department and it might interest me. So could he arrange an interview? And he did. And I went for the interview and I was told that my office background from my three years in civil service would be useful. But my complete lack of knowledge of anything to do with credit was a bit of a hindrance and um, they'd keep my details on file. Two weeks later, I got a call telling me that no one else had applied for the job. I was the only candidate. So could I start? And I did the following Monday. And that was in January 1979. And 41 years on, I'm still working in credit management and I've loved every minute of it. So an interesting start. It is Um, an interesting story. Yeah. Having done that, I was there for 10 years at an electrical wholesaler, cut my teeth there, actually did the Dun & Bradstreet course in credit and financial analysis, was my first credit qualification, which I did, Mm -hmm. a correspondence course. And then I did the uh, Institute Credit Management qualifications, and then I did a accounting qualification, then an MBA over the years, and I've worked for having moved on from electrical wholesaler. I worked for Olivetti for six years, and then Vodafone for thirteen years, all in different credit roles, and then at the CICM for the last fourteen years. I think that lot should add up to about forty-one. <laughs> <laughs> a long and varied career. I know that your time at the CICM, and you've you've long been a champion of of sort of prompt payments, and I know it's something you've advised government on as well. Could you tell us a bit more about about your work in that area and the inception of the prompt payment code? Yes, sure. So in 2008, 2009, when the credit crisis hit, Peter Mandelson was then business minister and called a number of roundtables with business leaders and large businesses and so on, talking about late payment. And he asked us to write a series of managing cash flow guides, which would be short, punchy advice for small businesses on how to manage credit more effectively and how to get paid and so on. So I wrote those for, for government and we published them. And then he asked us to consider setting up some sort of code whereby businesses could show that they were going to behave responsibly in the payment space. And out of that conversation was born the Prompt Payment Code, which was launched in 2009 and is still around. It's now got 2,500 signatories. The CICM, as it is now, has supported that, administered it and hosted it for government. It's always been government's code, but we've done the work for them. And we've used it as a way of encouraging good practice and in trying to educate small business about how to get paid more effectively. And one of the key things when we talk to people who complain to us about not being paid is that very often we find they've not done something basic they should have done, like quoting an order number on an invoice or sending the invoice to the right place or, or whatever it might be. So we've used it as a, on the one hand, getting big business to behave better. And on the other hand, to get small business to understand what they need to do. And in recent times with the payment practice reporting requirements of government, we've used that as a measure 
to indicate whether businesses are compliant with the code principles or not. And where they're not, we've suspended them from the code and we've worked with them to improve their practice and seen some spectacular results in doing that. That's great. And have you found that businesses are open to sort of that advice and that those conversations or is there... Has it been some difficult conversations? There have been some incredibly difficult conversations yeah. with businesses very uncomfortable at the fact they've been suspended because yeah. reputationally, that's not good. And many businesses think they're doing the right thing and think they're behaving well. And they're actually quite shocked when at the very senior level, they find out how badly they're performing. You know, this isn't something that's been on their radar, typically. So we've had some incredibly difficult conversations, but they've often led to really good conversations. And the way we've worked this is that we invite businesses to draw up an action plan on how they're going to become compliant with the code principles. So they suspended, they worked through the action plan, and when they can demonstrate compliance, we put them back on the code. And of the 55 we'd suspended up to the end of December, about 30 have been reinstated already. And that's an indication that there is an appetite to improve. And in some cases, we've seen some transformational change. If I may, I'll share an anecdote, which is Lang O'Rourke who probably one of the most difficult conversations we had when we first suspended them. They were very, very unhappy with us. And we met with them and we talked to them. And in July last year, July 2019, they reported 57% of invoices paid within 60 days. And that's the measure we've been using to, to measure compliance. They produced an action plan. We worked through it with them and have talked to them several times through the intervening period. In December, they reported 93% within 60 days which for me is transformational and that's a result of some changes to terms to some businesses so they've reduced the terms to make it easier to hit the target but actually that's only one part of the jigsaw they've got now a chief exec in Ray O'Rourke who takes this really seriously and wants reports every week on how they're doing So it's got attention across the business from the top down. They've put automation in so that the suppliers can go to a portal and see when their invoice is going to be paid. That means they haven't got to have people manning phones, answering queries, and therefore can be doing better things. They've put automation in in terms of processing invoices more quickly and cut out some of the sort of bureaucratic steps they had. They've educated their suppliers. So they get suppliers in early doors and talk to them about what they need to do to get paid. So there's an understanding. So we don't have this this gap of, of what has to happen. And they've done a lot of education internally around what the business needs to do to make sure suppliers do get paid. And what that means is that there's now a complete change of culture within the business around how they treat their suppliers. And for me, what's interesting about all these conversations, and there's lots of examples like that, is that part of this is around, you know, improving the payment process. But actually, it's more about how you work with your suppliers. So it's around the relationship rather than just the payment transactions. And what we see is that businesses that are good in the payment space are also good in the partnership space of helping with research and apprentices and and shadowing people and, and all sorts of things where they work together. And that for me is the key. If we can get businesses to be working in partnership and having collaboration rather than confrontation, then we start to win. It's really interesting. It's like that two-way approach and that really cultural transformation. It's not just about the processes and the the invoicing department. It's much wider and organisation-wide. Absolutely. And it's interesting, one of the things you talked about there was automation. And it'd be interesting to get your view on having worked in the financial industry and and in credit for several years, what difference you've seen in the the increased adoption of automated processes and what impact that's having on on the sector? Well, I think we're seeing much more automation, obviously, in the processing of paperwork, because that's where it's easy, isn't it? It's robotic and you can replace human actions with machine actions. So we're seeing it there. Um, I think we're seeing it much more in the sense of credit assessment and risk assessment. What I'm seeing from conversations with people is 
is that they're trying to automate, if you like, the routine and the volume stuff, which means they've then got more time to spend with the key decisions that are much more important and much more impactful. I've always said that, you know, you only know how strong the balance sheet is, is when you see how thick the dust is on the stock in the warehouse, because that tells you how long it's been there. And actually, if you want to have a serious relationship with a customer, looking them in the eye and talking to them is the best way of, of establishing that initial rapport. And you can't do that with the volume accounts. So if you can automate the things you need to do for the volume, then you've got much more time to put and devote to the really important areas. And in doing that, you then start to go through the the process, which I believe credit management is all about, of adding value to the business, because you can spot the opportunities for growth, and you can find ways of building the sales operation, rather than just worrying about what is often perceived as restricting sales. Credit was only designed to deliver sales. Why else would you give people time to pay? And so we need to recognise its power in delivering that for business. Thank you. Data and analytics can be more valuable than ever during uncertain times. The Dunn & Bradstreet team came together and asked ourselves, if we were a small business, what would we want right now? The answer? To use the DNB Business Essentials platform to find new customers and manage credit. Free for the first three months. To find out more, visit dnb.co.uk forward slash business essentials. Your new role in the Office of the Small Business Commissioner, to give some of our listeners who may be outside the UK or, or not aware of it, it's an independent body set up in 2016, I think, as part of the Enterprise Act. Can you tell us more about your remit at the SBC and, and, and what you're doing there to support businesses, small yeah, businesses? Sure. So the Office of the Small Business Commissioner was set up under the Enterprise Act. The first one was appointed in 2017, following the Act in 2016. Its role is, its remit is to signpost, advise and support small business, particularly in the area of payment and relationships contractually with their large customers, and to mediate and investigate where that breaks down. So the team in Birmingham that I now look after has collected £6.7 million so far for small business by mediating and talking to suppliers. And of course, what we find is that when we talk to them, you know, it's, it's a bit more powerful than the individual supplier talking to them. So we get more impact and we often get a fast result. Um, but also we have the power to name and exploit and highlight bad practice. So we've issued a number of reports, the most recently was Bombardier back in February this year, where we have identified poor practice and we then go public and report on that. And we do that for two reasons. One, because it's important that bad behaviour is called out. And the second is that we want businesses to change. And it's a way of encouraging change and building better relationships. Coupled with that, the Small Business Commissioner is now taking over the Prompt Payment Code. And that was introduced and the CICM always promoted that as a good thing to do, simply to get late payment measures in one place. Because for a small business, it's really confusing to know where to go when you've got a problem. So the the more you can create a one-stop shop, the better. So that's now there as well. So we'll, alongside the work we already do, we'll be looking at complaints from signatories about the uh, prompt payment code and investigating those as well. And I know earlier you mentioned the legislation where large businesses in the UK are now required to report on how their payment performance and how they pay their suppliers. And this information is published 
on the government website. How is this data being used by government and by the SBC? And, and is it having an impact on the behaviour? Yes, it's seeing an improvement in the fact that now it's publicly available information. Well, any transparency and any, any reporting in public is good, in my yeah. view. And I think one of the things we need to do is to get small businesses to know it's there and go and look at it. Because if they look at that and, and a business says it's standard terms of 30 days and they're being asked for 60, there's an obvious question there, which is, oh, hang on a minute, why can't I have the standard terms you, you report as being what you do? But the other thing they can see is what their payment to terms percentage is and what the length of time they take to pay is. And if you're a small business and you're going to supply somebody and the report tells you that on average they're taking 120 days to pay their suppliers, there's a really strong question there which says, is this a good deal to get into? It's a warning um, bell. So it's, it's, a, it's a really strong warning bell. And I mentioned earlier that the SBC names businesses that, or can name businesses that aren't behaving. And one of the measures we use is to look at that. And when a business says to us, you know, this was a one-off, normally we pay on time, and they're reporting, you know, 61% of invoices paid outside of the agreed terms, there's a disconnect there, which tells you that that's actually not the reality. So the Prompt Payment Code has used it over the last year to identify compliance with the commitments that are made under the code, and we'll continue to do that. The Small Business Commissioner uses the data just to see, when they get a complaint, what the general level of behaviour of business is to help us guide our thinking Mm -hmm. and to, to work through that. And government is using it statistically to look at how businesses are behaving. But certainly from the prompt payment code perspective that I've been personally involved in, we've seen, as I was talking about Lang O'Rourke, we've seen some dramatic transformation in shifting and moving and improving. And that's good. And the test for me now is where we've seen an improvement. Does that improvement continue in future reporting periods or does it slide away again? And I guess what I'm saying is, is the change fundamental and real or is it just token lip service to get to a point where it seemed to be good? And that's happening, isn't it? Across different industries and different aspects of business, really, that increased transparency and the reputational element of it all. But also, if things are more transparent and open, it puts that pressure on businesses to take a look at their own practices. Things like, you know, the small business lending data becoming available and things like that. There's much more there's much more transparency in the industry as a whole, I think, which for me, it seems a positive thing for businesses, especially smaller businesses who haven't necessarily got the comeback and the visibility until it's transparent on a website. Absolutely. And, and, and you know, you can argue that, that, you know, putting it on a website doesn't do anything. Mm. But, you know, we've seen modern slavery, we've seen gender balance, all of those things that are going on now, climate change is the big one. And all of these things do have an impact on business behaviour. And I think, for me, paying suppliers on time, making them sustainable, is no less CSR than turning the lights off or cutting down less trees. And we need to make sure that businesses see that and the value of that and the importance of that. And, you know, for a small business not being paid often it's whether or not they pay the mortgage next month not whether or not some invoices are ticked as being paid you know this isn't about getting something off the ledger this is around their livelihood and paying their employees or you know paying the mortgage or whatever it might be and we have to recognize the huge emotional impact late payment can have on businesses yeah we've done it's in a couple of surveys the last few years with small business leaders and that's that's a key thing we've asked about is you know people have had to dip into their own personal savings or ask family and friends and it's it's got a very real impact on their lives as well as their their business and the future of those that work for them so it's a big issue it is and i, and I think you know the likes of dun and bradstreet have a really important role to play here in terms of the data that you put out there in terms of payment performance and so on which looks in more detail than some of the stuff they have to do publicly 
And I think we need to educate small businesses about what's out there that helps them to have a guide and a warning about what they might see when they start trading with somebody. Not all business is good business. You know, if you're not going to be paid for it, you're just throwing money away. So, yeah. you know, think about that before you start. The thing we've heard from small businesses as well is that they don't often have the choice it's the big companies that aren't paying very well and they they say well actually we know they don't pay very well so we could choose not to supply them but then we'd lose a huge amount of money so it's kind of we're stuck between a rock and a hard place in a way because we want that business but with that comes the risk of potentially not getting paid and having enough cash flow and that's very true and that's a very true fear and i I fully understand that but i think small businesses often underestimate their own power okay i guess it depends what you're supplying clearly but at the point at which a large business says they want a small business to supply something they want whatever it is they're asking them to supply and at that point there needs to be a conversation and this for me is around you know business being partnership communications relationships all of those things and generally if a small business at the early doors has a conversation with the the larger business there are things that can be done you know there, there's always a quid pro quo you know if if i give you longer terms can i do less deliveries or bigger orders or or one color rather than the five colors or whatever it might be and those conversations need to happen and i, and I think there's a tendency for small businesses sometimes to think they really have no choice and not to even ask the question you know we need to encourage them to recognize that sometimes they do have some power and they need to use it. And the support of, of obviously the SBC and the CICM can empower them to do that and that availability of information, as you say, and the education of what data is available to help them have those conversations is really key. Absolutely. Excellent. Thank you. And that sort of links to my next question really was going back to your time as a, as a credit manager yourself and with the CICM what credit and finance teams can do to track and verify the payment performance to help mitigate that risk and make the decisions on who they're doing business with. I know we've talked about that already to a certain extent, but what sort of things you're seeing around credit departments, behaviours and actions that they are taking to to mitigate that risk or to change behaviours? Well, I think you know, data is absolutely vital. I mean, you know, we all know that data is, is, you know, is getting more and more important. And one of the challenges I always throw out to credit professionals is, you know, you know that you who hasn't paid you and you're chasing that and you get money in. But do you notice if you get paid one day later each month for six months from the same customer? And for me, the smart ones do, because that's a really telling sign. You know, and if you look at all the failures over the years, going back to Woolworths and, and Comet and all of those, if you look at the, the, the Dun & Bradstreet data for those businesses over a period of time, you'll see that the payment trend deteriorated over the preceding 12 months before they collapsed. And, and that's not a coincidence. That's reality. And so professional credit people look at this sort of data and trend it and watch it and react to it. If they don't do that, then they're missing a real opportunity. And often the best data you've got is your own data. Yeah. You know, and is, is it is it getting slower? Are more invoices being disputed? You know, all of those things that suggest there's some sort of tactic going on to either reduce the amount being paid or slow down the amount being paid. Thank you. And I know we've got limited time today. So I've got one final question, if I may. We always ask our guests if there's one piece of advice you have for our listeners, for the business leaders or industry stakeholders that are listening maybe in terms of payment performance or in terms of business, your business experience in general, one piece of advice or something that you've had in your career that's really stuck with you that we c- you could leave them with. Can I hit two rather than one? You certainly okay? can do. Okay. So for small businesses, my, my advice is recognise there's help available. And that's what the Small Business Commissioner's Office is there for. We're a free service. So come and talk to us if you're struggling to get paid or you're getting frustrated by not being paid. For big businesses, my message is very simple. Just recognise the impact you have on your supply chain. 
behave in a way that, that supports them and makes them sustainable. What goes around comes around. If you treat people the way that you'd want to be treated as a Absolutely. business. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for your time, Philip. It's You're been a pleasure welcome. today. Thank, thank you. you. Find out more about how Dun & Bradstreet can help your business be better. Contact us at marketinguk at dnb.com. And remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts.